So let's talk about that that great leadership conversation you had when you went to do that that due diligence thing. So for people who don't know, due diligence is where a pharmaceutical company maybe is going to go and buy a new product and you go and check it out. You put a team together and you go and check it out. And it's it's a fairly forensic exercise, isn't it? You're really going over all the data. Yeah. yeah. So you had this big thing you prepared. Um, so take it from there. You you had your training, then, then, then what happened? So you get instructions, you know, fly to Chicago and meet the team, and then you're going to go evaluate things. So we get the call. I fly in, and we're going to have a introductory sort of breakfast meeting where we can meet our own internal team, which is about a dozen people. And this is always a very high energy time because everybody has sort of flown the previous day. They don't know who they're going to meet. And you recognize some of your teammates and you don't recognize others. And it has a very sort of Ocean's Eleven feel to it because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of adrenaline and there's also like the sizing up of things. And the, the team leader, the overall team leader for this opportunity, I'll call him John, gets up to speak to the group. And John is somebody that I happen to know from a free, previous project, senior leader, rather soft-spoken, very solid citizen, very much sort of tells it like it is. And he surprises me in his introductory presentation. He first announces that we're going to go to the company and they're going to start with a presentation, which is not all that unusual. But what John says next is a bit unusual in that rather than just sort of saying some general things, he insists that we be really, really tough on these on on this group, saying that it's been hard to get information out of them, that they can be tough to deal with. So you really need to take a hard, critical look at everything they're saying, Mm. and you need to actively challenge them. Mm. So it surprises me a bit that his remarks are so pointed, but I'm not put off by them. Mm. I've it's it's you know, I've done my homework. I've been through the training. I know how to be rigorous. I'm prepared to be rigorous. So. John wraps up and says, okay, let's go to the meeting. It's about a quarter of a mile away, and we're going to walk to the meeting, which is great. It's a beautiful day. And so we're walking. We're taking the five minutes to walk to the meeting. Most of the group is in small groups chatting with others. I'm walking alone. I prefer this. And then someone comes up to me who I'll call Joe Bloggs. It's someone that I literally have not met before this moment. And he's one of the uh, business guys uh, putting this deal together. He comes up, he introduces himself. We do a little bit of small talk, not very much at all. And then he just kind of turns to me and says, look, when we meet this, when we meet these guys and it comes to you in the meeting, you have to find something positive to say. Which really struck me because it was in direct contradiction to what I had just heard from John. And so I kind of did a double take and said, oh, really? And he said, and Joe Blogg said, if you come out and immediately start 
making criticisms about this. It's going to ruin the entire two days. So just make sure that when we meet with them first, you have something positive to say. So what should I do? I, this is somebody who's literally Joe Bloggs. I haven't met him before at all. This is not the lead of the overall effort saying this. This is just some guy that's saying this. So what would you do? And there's no time to talk to other people about this because it's like I said, we had a very short walk and now we're in the meeting. So almost immediately we're in the meeting and it's about it's a typical conference meeting, about 18 people overall. Everyone's around the table. The, the company makes their presentation. It's about a 40-minute presentation. And then all the senior leaders say what they're going to say about what an exciting opportunity it is, this, that, and the other thing. And then finally, it turns to me, Kurt, you're our statistician. You know, what do you think? So now the moment comes, and I need to decide what I'm going to do. And I decide I'm going to go positive. I'm going to follow what Joe Blog said. So I say, well, I really like this part about it. And I really like this part about it. And they, you know, they bring up the slide that I'm referring to that they really, that, that I really, really liked. And I ask in, I ask what in my mind is a very benign follow-up question, which is tell me about these patients that did really, really well in this trial. And their statistician starts to answer. And that statistician starts by saying, well, this was really good, but you know, keep in mind that this was only you know, a few patients. And she starts really describing all the limitations of it, which is a point that needed to be made, but I wasn't the one who made it. The, the other statistician made it. From the other and side, from, from the other that's side. That's right. Yeah. And so this has the effect that everybody is still very friendly. Everybody is still excited about a deal. And it really sets the it really sets the groundwork for a productive two day meeting. But at the same time, the limitations of the opportunity are present for everybody. Mm. So it was a terrific, terrific result from this standpoint. So the meeting winds up going really, really well. And, and so immediately after this introductory meeting, Joe Bloggs comes up to me and says, you did a great job with this, super, super job with this. In fact, you did such a good job, I probably just shouldn't have said anything. I, you know, you, you handled it so well. And in my mind, I was thinking to myself, I am so glad that you said something because there's no way I would have done this without your guidance and your advice. So you really saved the day. And as it turned out, so the rest of the meeting went very, very well. And as it turned out afterwards, in the weeks afterwards, um, Joe Bloggs and I struck up a small friendship. And so we were able to talk about this interaction and what it meant to each of us. And he was, he was surprised that such a small thing that he did could have had such a big difference on the outcome. But I was able to tell him that without that, the entire meeting would have been very, very different. It was one of the most impactful conversations I've ever had. Yeah. So first thing, I mean, what, what, what did it teach you? What has it given you that you've, you've used subsequently? What were the, the sort of main learnings, if you like? 
So there were there were a few main learnings that I got out of this over the years as I was able to talk to Joe Bloggs about it, but also reflect on it myself. The first lesson that I got from it was really the lesson that Joe Bloggs was trying to teach or take advantage of, which was as a coming in as a large company, considering buying a small company, the numbers guy has has huge wet blankets that they can throw over everything. Hmm. If the if the big company comes in and the numbers guys don't like it, that just kind of casts a pall on everything. And if you're if you're not looking to do that intentionally, you should not do that. So, okay, that was a good experience from Joe Bloggs who's been involved in a lot more deals than I have. And and that's disproportionate for your skill type. It's the it's the numbers guy that the, the the guys that are more likely to be able to kill something than say the operations people or the business people or the the clinicians. That's what that's what Joe taught me subsequently was that statisticians, quantitative finance people, really numbers people that say the numbers don't add up. Mm. There's that is now a problem that other skills groups sort of need to talk around. Other skills groups talk about the opportunity and the potential and the development, but if the numbers don't add up, that's just a problem, and people don't know exactly how to get around that or how to make the numbers add up. Mm. So, and, and a lot of things go into these deals, but the point that Joe Bloggs was trying to make is that you don't want to use that as the starting point. The starting point is the numbers don't add up. You mm. want to use some other starting point. Mm. And obviously the numbers in the end need to add up. And, but you don't want to start with that because mm. it's just, it's a bad place to start. Mm. This, the second lesson that I took from this in my career was that, okay, so I went positive in this meeting, but you can go positive all the time. For no reason. If you go into any presentation or any conversation looking for something positive to say, that is a great benefit. And especially in a skill group like mine, which is thought of as a critical skill group as in terms of critical thinking and criticizing and, and finding flaws with things, finding something positive to say is just a good all-around strategy. So you don't have to wait for a specialized meeting for this to happen. You can do it in every meeting and in every interaction. And I think that that's helped me a bit going forward in my career. Mm. And then the, the last big lesson that I took from this is I continued to reflect on it was that coming back to John's initial presentation where he was telling people that you needed to be really, really critical with this. That was well-meant advice, hmm. but I think it was well-meant advice for other skills groups. Hmm. I think skills groups who are used to being hard and finding flaws wouldn't need such advice. I think that his intended audience for that advice may not have included me, hmm. although I thought it did at the time. Hmm. And so as I've reflected on that interaction, and John was a really good guy. I've been mindful of sometimes you need to tailor your message to specific audiences, just like 
a conductor of an orchestra will, you know, have have different instruments doing different things. Mm. And that's how you get the best performance out of your team as a whole. Yeah. And so sometimes one size does not fit all when it comes to messaging. Yeah. So here's the other thing that puzzles me. I get all those and those are, those are great messages and it's really good that you've you had that experience and, and picked all that useful learning up. But what is it that Joe Bloggs did in the 30 seconds or so that he had to influence you as you walked to that meeting that made you decide you were going to follow his very short advice, which, as you said, seemed to run contrary to what your team leader had just told you and contrary to the one or two days detailed training that you'd had before that. How did he... How was there something in the way he said it, or what he did he sort of stare into your eyes, or what, how how did it how did he do it such that it made you say, oh yeah, actually I don't know this guy, but I'm going to do what he suggests. Yeah, and that's very difficult for me to describe. It was not the sort of thing where he accomplished some sort of judo trick of the mind, where he just sort of touched my soul and it happened. It wasn't anything like that at all. But the way that he made his argument really left an impression on me mm. because he was not appealing to authority. I am your boss, therefore you must do this. He was not appealing to his own experience I've been through this and you haven't. So listen to what I have to say. Mm. It was much more of a dynamic that he was coaching me like we were teammates. And he said, OK, well, this is you know, this is the play that we're going to run. He wasn't telling me explicitly what to do. He was just he didn't say he didn't say you must say exactly this. He just said, find something positive to say. And that's going to make the whole meeting going better. So it was a little bit of coaching. But at the same time, it was done without any pretense whatsoever. Mm. He didn't he didn't spend a whole lot of time saying, look, you don't know me, but this is really important. He didn't say, well, look, John and I have discussed this and this is what we want you to do. There wasn't any of that at all. It was just. It was just a very concise, very matter of fact. He wasn't emotional in any way, very sober and just giving this advice. And because of the lack of all of that potential pretense, I think that it made an impression on me because the only reason he could be saying it is because he really believed it. Hmm. Hmm. And that made a difference for me. And he was more experienced at doing these than you. Did you know? Oh, you didn't know that. You didn't know him, did you? I didn't. I at the, at the time, I did not know that. Subsequently, I learned that he was much more experienced. Than but him. maybe in the way that he spoke and 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 sort of held himself, it, it you you know his experience was conveyed to you. Perhaps subconsciously or unconsciously, I don't I don't really know the answer to that. Mm. Um, it's, it's funny because when I talked to him after the fact, he did not see his own advice as particularly impactful. He did not go into the interaction expecting that it would be one of the most impactful conversations of his life 
or my life. <laughs> that was not his expectations. Mm. He was just sort of doing what he did to just make sure that the two days went as well as possible. He was just tapping into his expertise to make sure that we did a good job with everything. Mm. And so it was not impactful for him at all. Mm. And I think that that really ties into why I think podcasting is so important because we're very bad as human beings in figuring out what is going to influence other people, even what's going to influence ourselves. We think we know this, but in reality, we don't know this. And so conversations that are impactful to one side of it, of the conversation, are not so impactful to the other side of the conversation. And so as a leader, when you're trying to get, whether it's, whether it's a change in your organization or whether it's a, a continuing implementation of the strategy you have, however you're trying to connect with your organization, you have a very poor idea of which way is going to stick for which people. And it's definitely not one size fits all. So yes, you do the presentations. Yes, you do the town halls. Yes, you do the you know, Q&As. You, you do all of that stuff. But the podcasts are another club in the bag. You do these, you get them out there, and they won't touch absolutely everybody. But if they touch enough people, they can be super, super impactful. They can be career-changing for some people. And if they're well done, that's the effect you're going to get. Great story. 